Hello. This is Dracular Gottfried. And you are listening to the Half-Assed Horrorcast. A show that is so bad that it's frightening. It's more painful to listen to this show than to get a stake through the heart. The Half-Assed Horrorcast. Did we want to talk briefly about Gilbert Gottfried uh, doing the the sound drop, oh, yeah. or do we want to just just drop it in there and not worry about it? No, let's talk about it. Okay. Well, so you're the one that bought it. I did. I so on Cameo, which is a website where you can get celebrities to do weird uh, voice drops for you and uh, weird videos and everything. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried is on there, and Jeff is a pretty big fan of of Gilbert and. You know, he's been a mainstay in pop culture for many, many years. Uh, and I just noticed on Cameo that uh, he was offering to be uh, Dracula Gottfried. <laughs> so he dresses up as Count Dracula and does like a weird, you know, kind of impression of Bela Lugosi. And uh, he will riff for you and just, you know, do something funny for you. And uh, yeah, I pulled the trigger. I was like, oh, this is too much. I mean, we're doing Dracula's daughter this episode and Jeff's a big fan. I'm a big fan. And we both like his podcast and know that he's a big monster kid. So knew that he would do something kind of cool for us. So that was the origin of that. And I could not be more pleased. I thought it was (laughs) really funny and you could tell he was having fun with it. So it was very cool. Yeah, I've I've been like showing it off to people every, like, <laughs> at work and stuff. I'm like, Hey, check this out. <laughs> like Gilbert Gottfried. This is amazing. And when I first heard of cameo, like I, I went to the website and I saw that he was on there and I was like, Oh my God, if I could get any one of these people to do a video for me, it'd be Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> you sent that. It was like, it was like a birthday present almost. I was like, Oh yeah. my God, this is amazing. <laughs> I just, I, I felt like, you know, we hadn't done an episode in a minute and this is kind of like a little soft reboot in a way. And, so I was like, oh, let's do something kind of special. Let's, you know, have a little, little oomph to, to the yeah. episode. So. Welcome to the Half-Ass Horrorcast. I'm Craig. I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And we have returned after a long hiatus. We missed spooky season and various shenanigans. Should we, I, even, should we talk about like why we haven't been making anything for a while? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, go for it if you if you'd like to. Uh, you know, it's just it's 2020. We've uh, bad things happen. <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of mm. without getting into details. Mm. I think everybody in the trio has had you know personal stuff happen that yeah. would make 2020 already not a great year. Yeah. And then obviously the outside, you know, influences of political shenanigans and the virus and, you know, yeah. all this stuff kind of kind of made it where it was necessary to take a little breather. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was good. to Well, I mean, not good, but, it, you know, I, I personally just wasn't feeling up for uh, for doing any kind of a lot of celebrating like I normally do. For the Halloween season. Yeah. But uh, now we're having those post-Halloween blues, or I am anyway. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's like it's over now. It's like, well, going into the holidays. What's what uh, Kia and I took, uh, did a staycation. We took a few days off, and I got the uh, blackout curtains, and... We made it nice and spooky and dark in here, and we watched uh, a lot of horror movies mm-hmm. and uh, caught up on a backlog of stuff that we had mm-hmm. DVR'd and movies I'd bought, you know, the past few months and everything, and it was a lot of fun. Oh, cool. So, uh, and we did do trick-or-treating. I know that's kind of taboo, uh, but, uh, you know, I just wore a mask and gloves and whatnot, and... Yeah. 
Um, it definitely are, wasn't as many kids this no, year. No, I mean, we normally get 100-plus trick-or-treaters, and we probably got around 50, I'd say, something like that. Oh. And some of those kids were double-dippers because there were several kids that realized we were giving away full-size candy bars. Yeah, I think they showed up at, like, 10 o'clock. There was one point where it was about 9.45, and I was like, okay, I got to, like, turn off out. all the lights and make sure no one, you know, thinks we're still giving out candy. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they had that they, sign for next year. <laughs> yeah, they had uh, that look on their face that third or fourth time where they were like, <laughs> "Like we're getting away with something." And I was like, "I know who you are. Like I, I know, I knew the second time. I'm just, I'm fine with it. I don't really care." So you had a lot of leftover candy. Yeah, definitely. I ended up giving away a lot to my coworkers. <laughs> like I just, I just had like a, a social distance fire pit with mm-hmm. a few friends <laughs> that night. I didn't even really decorate for Halloween until the day of. I uh, just pulled some stuff out of my shed and set it all up in the backyard and was like, that's good. And then shined some lights on it and then set my fire pit up. And then, uh, but it's pretty low key. So it was, it was, it was kind of nice actually. Was, yeah, that's yeah. what Craig did. We didn't, I don't think you decorated until the day before. It, externally, like outside the house, um, had no decorations until, yeah, the day before the, my first day off basically. Yeah. yeah. And that's pretty much all I had outside were like, <laughs> Normal jack-o'-lanterns. That's about it. So. Halloween 2020. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's kind of ironic because at least here in the middle Tennessee area where, where we live, uh, we had the most amazing weather, like perfect Halloween weather. <laughs> Definitely. And, you know. The beautiful kinda, moon that, that year or that, that night too. Yeah, so, yeah. Big full moon and the, uh, the temperature. It was like in during the day it was in, you know, what was it, like the 70s and then in the, in the 60s. And then at night, it, I think it got down maybe into the 50s, but it was kind of perfect for doing a fire pit because it was like you had the warmth from the fire still. Sure. I, f- I feel like, you know, we made the best of it, though. So the best of, uh, you know, uh, COVID Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe next year we can make up for it. Maybe do another event or, yeah, you know, really cool. I hope dig so. our heels in. So. Yeah. Uh, I had actually, I had listeners asking if we were doing anything this year still. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I tried to be polite, but I was like, I think it's insane that you're asking me this. But, uh, the, yeah, the, the, the uh, I mean, but I, I get it. I mean, people, because people still did stuff. I mean, I think Doc Gangrene, you know, local horror host, he did a thing at the drive in in um, mm. a couple of different places. Uh, one out of state and one here, um, or I think the Franklin Drive-In, whatever, in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, some people still manage to pull it off, but with our resources, <laughs> it'd be kind of hard yeah. to do like a drive-in or something like that. So, I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And, and we, we just watched Dracula's Daughter. Dracula! He's come back. Sandra, look at me. What do you see in my eyes? Death. Do you like jewels, Lily? This is very old and very beautiful. Please don't come any closer. I... Her pulse is weak, Dr. Goss. Growing weaker. All your skill can't help her now. She's under a spell that can be broken only by me. Or death. I am Dracula's daughter. It's true. This was my choice. 1936's Dracula's Daughter, a uh, direct sequel to 1931's Dracula. Uh, one of the main reasons I picked it is because it's probably one of my lesser seen Universal Monster movies uh, that's considered top tier. You know, it's not one of the dreg sequels like, you know, when Lon Chaney is playing uh, the mummy and stuff like that. Those are pretty rough. But uh, this is still like a really big budget A movie Um and one of the last ones made uh, under the original, like, leadership 
of uh, the original makers of you know Dracula and Frankenstein and stuff like that. Like those studio and heads were ousted. people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were ousted as soon as this movie was actually finished, um, and new people came. You know, to be the heads of Universal and everything. So it's kind of the swan song for the original golden age of Universal monsters. Kia, why don't you give us a synopsis of Dracula's Daughter? Okay. When Countess Maria Zaleska appears in London, mysterious events occur leading Dr. von Helsing to believe the Countess must be a vampire. That's pretty succinct. Uh, by the way, this is deep cuts trivia for half ass Horrorcast listeners. So deep cuts that I think I'm the only one that's going to know this, in, <laughs> you know, to include Kia and Jeff. But uh, many moons ago, a listener sent us an email that had um, a $50 Fandango uh, gift certificate that we have yet to use. Hopefully, I don't know if that's still active or not. I'm very sorry to that listener. <laughs> Um, but they were mysterious and they chose to be anonymous because I didn't know what that name was when they sent it, but that was the alias they used. Really? Was, uh, the count, the countess, uh, uh, the daughter of, yeah, Zaleska. Cause I looked it up and I was like, what, what is this? Is it like a pop culture thing? And I couldn't find it at the time. I don't know if she, maybe whoever this was misspelled yeah. it slightly so I didn't get Dracula's Daughter as a hit. Had you known, had you seen Dracula's Daughter? Yeah, but I, I always just kind of thought of her as yeah. literally Dracula's Daughter. Is it possible uh, that her name just is Maria Zaleska? I guess. I guess it is possible. <laughs> I guess not, she wants to be anonymous, so never Yeah, I, I think that was the I'm idea is, is that they were, uh, you know, trying to be incognito when mm -hmm. that's what they chose. And they probably thought we would be clever enough to know what that was, and I, it totally was lost on me. So <laughs> took us a couple of years. Call back to, <laughs> I think that was 2017, 2016, uh, pretty early on in our lifetime as a podcast. Now we get it. Yeah, we got it. We were so young then. Yes. And, and ironically, we'll, or I guess it's not ironic, it's just cold facts. We'll probably never be able to use that uh, certificate in a theater. We might have to uh, get together <laughs> and like rent something on Roku or something. Maybe it'll never Fandango. expire. Oh, that's a good point. You can use Fandango on your TV. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. That works. So, might be able to still use that fat gift card. Kia, why don't you give us your impressions of Dracula's Daughter, first time watch? I enjoyed it. I, I think I liked it better than the original Dracula. It's been a while since I've seen the original Dracula, but my gut reaction was that I liked Dracula's Daughter better. I liked the actress, Gloria Holden. Gloria was the Holden. actress's name. Um, yeah, I thought she was really dark. Um, I made the, she reminded me, I made the comment of Dorothy Spornak's <laughs> younger self from the Golden Girls. I thought they kind of favored each other a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I liked it. I liked, I liked her. She was obviously uh, a villain, but when it first starts, you're not really sure. Right. I guess. Um, well, she's sympathetic because she doesn't want to be a vampire, yeah. which is very different from Dracula. Um, who yeah. loves being a vampire. I mean, he, he embraces it. And she's literally not his daughter, right? She, he, uh, she's a victim. Right, so, someone that he created. Yeah. So is it in his lineage of vampires. Yeah. yeah. So. Jeff, what about you? What about your first impressions? Was this your first time seeing the movie? Uh, yeah, it's my first time finishing it. I remember, like, I think you told me that it was a good one once, and I started watching it, but I fell asleep kind of early. Not not because I was bored or anything. I was just tired. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's good. Um, I noticed she has her hair done in the same way as Princess Leia from Empire Strikes Back through a lot of the movie. Oh. Wow, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you're right. It, it wasn't <laughs> until like towards the end of the movie that I was like, oh, wait, look, she's got a Princess Leia hairstyle. <laughs> she actually vaguely resembles Carrie Fisher. They kind of have yeah. somewhat similar features. Not like identical by any stretch, mm -hmm. but just, you know, a few carryovers. Yeah. Um, I like that it picks up like right after the original Dracula. Yeah. You know, the Van Helsing is down there and the, the cops are investigating. They're like, look, there's this guy here. He's dead. And then they, they see the mannequin of Dracula with the stake through its heart. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, for the thirties, it looked pretty good. Definitely. Um, it's ironic too, because at one point, um, Bela was going to be a part of Dracula's daughter and uh, it was going to be more of a 
a sequel in the sense that they were going to have flashbacks and, you know, feature Dracula in it and everything. And um, they even had him on set and they were paying him his fee. And at the last second, they realized, oh, we don't have to pay Bram Stoker's estate for any of this stuff. It's public domain now because they, they originally were having to pay his, his widow. And I think their legal department was like, oh, no, 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 we don't have to pay your shit. So they just came up with their own original story that had nothing to do with uh, any, uh, what do you call it, literature ties to Dracula or the character of Dracula himself. So that way they could just kind of bypass all that. So they kicked Bella out. And uh, mm. the irony, though, is that Bela was paid more for Dracula's daughter than he was Dracula because he had his star had risen in the past, you know, the few years or whatever. So he ended up being paid, I think, 500 bucks more to not be in Dracula's daughter than he was paid <laughs> for uh, being in Dracula, the titular character. Free to live as a woman. Free to take my place in the bright world of the living. I think it works really well as an independent movie, like it just as its own thing. But as a sequel to Dracula, watching it a little more closely, I was kind of like, this is kind of flaky because the only thing that really ties it is Van Helsing and... Uh, He's not in it all that much, if you think about it. He's kind of arrested yeah. at the beginning and then basically is sort of making his case for why he did what he did. And he's just like in an office room, uh, you know, <laughs> explaining to people like, yes, there are vampires. Do you not understand? You know, he's just doing that the whole movie. Yeah. And all the outside action happens without him. I mean, he never really has much to do with the real storyline and everything. He's basically there to literally make it a sequel to Dracula. Um, so in that sense, I think it kind of fails, but it's really strong with the new characters. Cause I really like the countess and I love her familiar. I think her familiar is hilarious <laughs> yeah. and a, a good actor. And I love the scene where she's trying to express like, Oh, I'm, I'm rediscovering my humanity and, and I'm, I'm, you know, noticing all these great things and she's playing the piano and he's sitting there watching her and she's like, oh, you know, just imagine, you know, you're on a, a nice brook and you, you hear the birds, you know, the, the, the wings and he's all like, it's a song of death. <laughs> Twilight, long shadows on the hillsides. Evil shadows. No, no peaceful shadows. Flutter of wings in the treetops. The wings of bats. <laughs> You're picturing bat wings. Like he just he wants to stuff her down because it's later revealed that this familiar uh, wants to be a vampire. So he doesn't like the idea of her wanting to become human again or finding her humanity because he's like, no, 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 you're a monster because I want to be a monster and you're supposed to make me one. You promised me, you know, once I do enough servant things or whatever, you're going to do this for me. And he sees that she's flaking. So he's very much trying to throw uh, yeah. monkey wrenches into the, the, the gears. So, yeah, like during that scene, I think I said out loud, like, okay, Eeyore, like calm down. <laughs> Cause he even kind of sounds like Eeyore a little bit. He's like, those were bat wings. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I thought he was Sandor. Sandor. Sandor yes. Yeah. Which, which is, I, I had to look it up again after the movie, which is such a unique name. You think it would stick in our head kind of like an Igor type situation, yeah. but, but yeah. Uh, it's also, oh, I got, do you think that's where they got the name of that character on the, what we do in the shadows, the Nandor? Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. You, I think so. You might be right. Yeah. And they're like, it's a takeoff of Sandor. It's Sandor. <laughs> well, and he has a lot in common with uh, Guillermo or whatever, who mm-hmm. is a familiar that desperately wants to be a vampire, and they keep screwing him over. And, you know, as the story progresses, he gets a little more aggressive. So, I was going to just say that he reminded me of, like, um, like a goth Pee-wee Herman, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> there's even a, there's a scene where he's wearing a Fez hat and it, he looks so much like Pee-wee Herman when he was a bellhop <laughs> in a Big Adventure when he's like in the movie within a movie and he's acting Paging all weird. Paging Mr. Herman. Yeah, Paging <laughs> Mr. Herman. Yeah. Uh, it, like when you said that, I was like, oh, that he is, I mean, like I wonder if Paul Rubens saw that movie and it had an influence on how he was going to play that scene or I don't know. Um, but yeah, like as good of an actor as he is, I mean, he is comedic, and I think it is yeah. deliberately dark comedy a la Bride of Frankenstein, which came out yeah. the year before and was a huge hit. So I think they were trying to go for that James Well, tongue-in-cheek, dark humor in this movie. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it maybe falls a little flat, and sometimes it's just straight-up comedy. And I think that stuff 
is fun, but it maybe doesn't match the tone of the movie sometimes. Like the cop stuff is, is a little, yeah. it's funny, but it's like, you, you know, a cowardly cop uh, doesn't quite match the tone maybe of the rest of the movie. So I think I saw in the trivia that James Well was tied to this originally. Yeah. He wanted, he desperately wanted to get out of the shadow of horror movies and everything after Bride. So yeah. he kind of uh, basically stuffed the idea of doing Dracula's Daughter because yeah. the studio definitely wanted him to do it. But that the actor that plays Sandor, his name is, if I can pronounce it, Irving Pichel. Um, we looked him up and he's, he was a very accomplished director also um, and was eventually blacklisted because... They thought he was a communist because he made a movie about anti-Nazis, like an anti-Nazi movie. Anti-fascism. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, communists. <laughs> well, and he was called to testify, right? In the famous... Yeah, he's called yeah. to testify. He didn't give up any names, but Hollywood blacklisted him anyway. Yeah. So. He, was, he was considered an unfriendly uh, witness or whatever, but... but he was know, a very accomplished... Um, uh, director, because one of his movies, it says The Pied Piper from 1942, was nominated for Oscar Best Picture, and he worked with all kinds of well-known actors, so it's interesting that he plays this creepy character, but then mm-hmm. he's also like a really accomplished director behind the scenes, or became an accomplished director. And I think he did some pretty famous science fiction and stuff like that in his late career, um, with like George Powell, the guy that did War of the Worlds, the special effects. I think they did a, a movie together as well, so... Yeah, it's funny because the whole movie I was just laughing at him and thought he was just like this kind of kooky one-note actor and then Kia looked it up and he's like really important to, you know, golden age Hollywood and the history of all that stuff. So shout out to Sandor. I have a question. At the beginning of the movie, like after, oh. um, so they discover the bodies of Dracula and... Renfield. Renfield and they take him to the police department to stay there mm-hmm. and there's a cop that has to watch the bodies and they there's a couple of times where they show something is moving underneath the ground around the coffins and the police officers are like oh it's a rat they get nervous or whatever but what was that was that supposed to be a familiar because you also hear a couple of times in the movie like wolf howling but I don't know if a wolf would burrow underground I, I don't like think that. I mean I, I know it's supernatural but I don't think a wolf can burrow underground yeah. like and it was almost like a mole or something right like mm. you would see like the uh, the earth moving like yeah. trimmers style almost yeah. um, what do you have a theory on it Jeff do you, do you I mean when you saw that what did you make of it I wasn't sure um, I thought I don't know I thought maybe it was I, th- I thought it was gonna be something to do with like maybe Dracula's daughter coming out of the ground or something, but then she sure. just like appears at the door later. And you're like, oh, well, okay. Oh, well, I, I didn't understand what it was either. To, to be honest, I think it just was something that looked cool that they just threw in to be creepy and strange and visually appealing. And I don't think they thought very deep into what is literally causing this. I think it was just something to look kind of strange. And then, because it has no effect on the story, like she just walks yeah. into the police yeah. department and it's like, I want to see those bodies, you know, and then. Uh, hypnotizes the police officer on duty so she can get Dracula's body back. So I don't, I don't know what the boring was or if it was like he is suggesting some kind of animal familiar that was like spying for her to, to try to help her figure out where the body was. I don't know. Mm. Or maybe she can transform into a rat that can burrow. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Yeah. I think any of those could be true. It's it's got it's what the kids call head cannon when you just make up your own thing to like fill in the gaps. So another thing I was going to say about Sandor is like uh, much like uh, Guillermo on what we do in the shadows, he ends up being like a vampire killer. <laughs> oh yeah, spoiler. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, he kind of steals the thunder from Van Helsing or. Um, yeah, you know the the lead male hero. Yeah. Uh, He's called Von Helsing in this movie. I, I, I saw. I, I've never noticed that before. But in the credits, uh, Van Helsing is called Von Helsing. I don't know if that's <laughs> something that they also did because of the the worries of the Bram Stoker estate coming back mm. to them. So they made a small mm. variation. Uh, also, the actor is um, also named Van something. I think. Hmm. So maybe Edward that was Van a differentiate. Sloan. Yeah, Van Sloan exactly. 
So maybe it was a little thing where he was like, I don't want to be called exactly. Uh, it's too on the nose. Um, which, by the way, I thought that actor improved a lot. If, if you watch the original Dracula, he has a more uh, stunted, slow approach to how he speaks. And it's a little stage actor-y. And uh, in this movie, I think uh, film language has grown so much that he has a much more natural uh, speaking voice and doesn't pause as much and just kind of, you know, gets it out there. And I, th- I thought he improved a lot, which was kind of cool to see the evolution of some of these actors from early talkies to even, you know, a few years later. Um, also this, mo- this movie has a shitload of music and oh, yeah, the original Dracula too. has none. I mean, it opens with Swan Lake to set the mood. and Otherwise you have no music. And this thing is this wall to wall, you know, has all kinds of music cues and everything. Do you think uh, Sandor missed? Because, like, he shoots that arrow, it hits her, and then... Um, so you think, like, oh, he got her, and then but then he keeps shooting arrows? <laughs> I was like, oh, oh that's a great idea. Yeah, like, uh, you know, jumping ahead to the end, um, Sandor, yeah, you know, the familiar is really upset that uh, uh, the Countess, she's going to uh, sire, you know, the, the male lead in this movie, over Sandor. Sandor has waited patiently to become a vampire. And uh, you get the impression that he's, he's upset, he's angry. And uh, when the Countess gets hit with an arrow, um, he's revealed that Sandor is shooting them. And uh, yeah, like he does take another shot at the male lead. I don't know, I forgot, I forgot the character's name. Um, uh, Garth. Garth, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, he, and he misses him. Uh, so you're speculating that maybe he meant to hit him in the first place and accidentally hit the countess? Maybe. Or it's, he's, he's probably just like, oh, fuck it all. I'm killing everybody. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe after he shot them both with arrows, yeah. he would have, like, jumped off, you know, and hit himself with an arrow or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I thought, it was also funny, like, that Jeffrey Gar- Garth character was, like, such an asshole through the whole movie to, like, his girlfriend, you know? Yeah. But and that wasn't she, his girlfriend, though, right? She's, like, his oh, secretary, okay. isn't she? Oh, was it? Well, Which doesn't like really excuse his behavior, but yeah. yeah. And then, like, they kidnap her or whatever, and she's like, you know, um, you either, you know, basically, like, you give me your life for hers. Mm-hmm. It would have been funny if he'd be like, I don't even like her. Why would-? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, you go ahead and take her. I'm, I'm not into this. I'm out of here. I, I thought it was interesting that the Countess is even, like, negotiating with him. Like, she's mm-hmm. powerful enough where she could be like, yeah, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm making you, I'm going to eat her or whatever and mm-hmm. you know but i guess she was you know still had a piece of her humanity and she wanted to kind of make him feel like he wanted to become a vampire maybe so. speaking of piece of humanity the um when um what's her name zaleska mm. when at first she she kills a man right she sees him on the street and it's implied that she kills him mm-hmm. and then the next night she's because she's wanting this um garth person to help cure her. Yeah, Garth is a psychiatrist, which I guess yeah. is probably kind of important, and she thinks he can maybe help her control her cravings. Yeah. And and she's like, I need you to do this tonight. And he's like, I can't do it tonight. I'll do it tomorrow. So then that night, she's like, well, I'm going to go to my studio, because I'm assuming she's an artist. Maybe she's going to try to avoid doing it. Mm. But then Sandor finds this blonde lady on a bridge and brings her to him. So I don't know if that was already planned, or if Sandor was like still trying to yeah, yeah, like like yeah. force her into feeding and yeah. holding on to vampirism. Yeah, but Zaleska has this ring that she uses to hypnotize people, so they'll come under her thrall, I guess, so she can bite them. But this lady didn't do that. This lady, it didn't work on her. She has, she has a strong will. Yeah, yeah. So she resisted. I just thought that was interesting. Young lady. Yeah, and also you asked me because in that scene, she's gonna, you know, Sandor invites the blonde lady back, so that Zaleska can paint her. And so the lady, the blonde lady is like taking off her shirt, um, below the shoulders, which I would imagine in 1936, I don't, I think that might've been pre-code or right around the time when the code right. was created, but it was, I would imagine it was pretty risque back then. And you asked me if I thought the scene was sensual because yeah. I guess viewers or critics have thought that that was supposed to be central. Well, I think, I think modern, it's one of those things that's getting reevaluated years later and modern audiences are trying to say that 
or implying that it's uh, a lesbian scene, that it's basically two women, you know, it's it's a woman seducing another woman. And, uh, uh, you know, so I was just kind of curious if it came across that way to you or to Jeff, yeah. too. Um, Technically, I guess she's seducing her, but it's not for sex. It's just so she can kill her. Yeah, but I mean, like if Dracula had done that, if it was a male vampire and he was like, yes, drink some of this wine, take off your blouse. Like, like I think it would be sexual innuendo blatantly, but because it's a woman instead, like I think some people resist the idea that it might be intended to be sexual, you know? So, I mean, I think it's totally open to interpretation. I, I, you know, it's, it's tough. I, it's also strange that the, that Dr. Garth, uh, asked her to do that, to be like, Hey, you know, alcoholics, here's how you get over alcoholism. Oh, yeah. You just sit in front of a bunch of alcohol and you don't drink it. <laughs> it's like, yeah. why don't you go find someone? He didn't know what she was talking about, but he's, she basically was like, all right, I'll go find someone that I want to go drink their blood. And then I'll just resist the urge to do it. She's like, Oh, I couldn't do it. It's like, well, yeah, no kidding. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's a much different this is, uh, situation. This is a terrible doctor. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's just like because of how uh, young psychiatry was, like 1936 mm-hmm. version of psychiatry, or if it was just the screenwriter had no clue what they were talking about, and they're like, yeah, oh, that's yeah. how they would do it. <laughs> they throw yeah, them in probably. a room with a fucking bottle of wine and tell them, <laughs> suck it up, boyo. I don't know. I think it is just a thing, resisted. though. I can't remember what it's called, but I think that is a thing. Like you like confront what... Yeah, scares you or what your obsession is. I remember something is. like that because I was a psych major many moons ago. Mm. And I feel like that is a thing. And maybe it, it might depend on what they're confronting as to whether that's a good technique. Mm. Like if it's, you know, if it's the dark, maybe, as opposed to alcohol where that could literally, you could drink yourself to death. You're not going to die if you're just sitting in a dark room. Mm. I guess you could have a heart attack if you're really scared. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. At the end of the movie, when Zaleska dies, they mention how beautiful she is. And he says something like, Von Helsing says, I think it's Von Helsing. Yes. Says, that's how she looked when she died a hundred years ago. And Craig said, he doesn't know that. Yeah. yeah Von, exactly. Von Helsing just like just swings at, at the fences to sound like an authority figure. He has had nothing to do with any of this shit. He's been sitting in a room going, uh, well, I'm not guilty. Uh, you shouldn't put me in prison. That's all he's been doing the whole movie in small scenes, really. And then at the end, he's supposedly going there to help, uh, you know, rescue Garth. And it's too late. <laughs> you know, Sandor has already done all the action. So... All Ben Helsing says at the end is just, yes, she was a vampire. It's true. You know, I mean, it's kind of yeah. like, oh, well, he didn't even really need to be there. These, I mean, again, the movie would be totally unaffected without Ben Helsing. I mean, it really yeah. could just straight up be Dr. Garth dealing with this vampire and, you know. Well, this is interesting. On Wikipedia, it says horror author Anne Rice has named Dracula's daughter as a direct inspiration for her own homoerotic vampire fiction. Mm. She named a bar in her novel The Queen of the Dam Dracula's Daughter in honor of the film. Ah, Interesting. Very nice. And it says some observers have suggested that the film served as an inspiration for Sunset Boulevard, noting similarities between the outlines of each film. Hmm. Interesting. That is interesting. Huh. Anyway. I was, uh, what I was going to say earlier was like when, uh, Van Helsing was like, she's a hundred years old. If somebody had like <laughs> called him on it on the minute, like, how do you know that? It was like, I, uh, that's I mean, how I'm the movie should have ended. I mean, vampires be, are pretty old, right? It'd been like, cool if that's how the movie ended. Like he says a hundred years ago and someone says, how do you know that? And then that's just the end of the movie. It, he, yeah. It just, <laughs> it, just, it, black. It, 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 it shows Van Von Sloan or whatever, just kind of like stammering, like, um, well, you see, I, uh, over there, but, you know, and it just kind of like fades to black real quick. Yeah, he just looked points and is like, what was that? And then runs away. <laughs> um, I did want to say, I, we've said this in previous episodes, recent episodes, uh, all the Universal Monster movies are available on Peacock. So if you have Comcast or if you just have Peacock as one of your mini streaming services, uh, you can check this one out. So it's readily available. And I think it's only For like free. a buck to rent on Amazon and stuff like that. It's like a dollar or two. And I think it's totally worth it if you um, 
are um, a student of horror, or if you just kind of like fun, like old school Hollywood movies. So let's rate this bad boy <laughs> or bad girl. <laughs> <laughs> Kia, kick us off. Oh, I'll give it a B minus. Okay. Sounds good. Jeff? I too will give it a B minus. Huh. I'm, I'm going to give it, I'm going to kick it up to a B plus because of Sandor. I think he's mm-hmm. a great character and I, I like the Countess a lot too. It's kind of like what we talked about, Jeff, with uh, Bride of Frankenstein and Kia, you've kind of brought it up. The idea that like these direct sequels to Dracula and Frankenstein had female centric, you know, hooks, right? And uh, those characters are never brought back up. Like, you never see the bride pop up in a sequel to the Frankenstein franchise, and you never see the daughter of Dracula pop back up uh, in a sequel. And the Invisible Woman. There you go. Yeah, right. Like, there's these sequels that have a hook of, like, oh, now it's a woman, but they never, in these Monster Mash movies or these, you know, uh, reboots and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, they never get around to reintroducing these characters. And, like, I think in this case... um, the duo of you know the the countess and sandor are totally worthy of having being involved in some kind of reboot or reevaluation of these movies and everything so yeah i guess we're giving it a solid b as a group and that was dracula's daughter do we want to see what oh yeah uh jeff i know you might think this is a little uh <laughs> derivative because there's like a whole podcast that's about leonard malton oh. um but Kia and I have bought the volumes of Leonard Malton, and every time we watch a movie, we see what he has to say about it. Um, Kia, won't you let us know well, what Mr. Malton thought of Dracula's Daughter? Just to note, Dracula's Daughter on Rotten Tomatoes has only a 55%. Yes. Which I think is, is low for Definitely. this movie. I liked it. And Mr. Malton, surprisingly, because he tends to be a little hard to please, he gave this movie three stars. Um, Out of four. Out of four. Yes, and he says, sequel to the Lugosi classic depicts vampirish activities of Holden. Pichelle adds imposing support as her sinister manservant. Hillier, normally a B-Western director, manages to imbue this chiller with a moody, subtly sensual quality. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Definitely. (laughs) And good points. I mean, it definitely has some sensual scenes, especially for the 30s. And I thought the atmosphere was great, like uh, some of the city street uh, moments, oh, yeah. the fog. And then they get mm-hmm. to reuse the sets uh, from the original Dracula. They go to Dracula's actual castle, and it's the real mm-hmm. sets that they use in the first one, with complete mm-hmm. with the same spider webs that they had to go yeah. through and everything. And I think Dracula's daughter, her look is really cool, kind of like um, the shawl that she's wearing yeah. reminded me of A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. I think that's what it's called, a yeah. movie that I've always wanted to see since it came out, and <laughs> I've never seen it yet. It. I will one day. But so I thought that was cool. It made her really um, interesting. And there's a scene in the movie where she, where they offer her wine and uh-huh. she says the famous line, like, what does it say? I don't. I never drink wine. Yeah. I like uh-huh. the way she delivered it. Yeah. Um, I really liked her. I thought she was really good. One other quick note about this I thought was kind of interesting was that, uh, you know, Bela is Hungarian. And in the original Dracula script, he is Romanian, right? That's what they kind of imply, that he's a Romanian guy. And in this, for whatever reason, uh, Dracula's daughter, they keep saying that she's Hungarian. I just thought it was kind of an odd uh, choice because she totally could have... I mean, her her accent was unique, but it wasn't really necessarily Hungarian, in my opinion. Maybe it's a little shout-out? Yeah. Or or maybe it was just kind of to keep the internal... Yeah. You know, they were thinking, ah, no one's going to, like, worry about where Lugosi was from as Dracula in the original, so we'll just say he's Hungarian now. And now, as much as we like the movie, you said that the actress that plays Dracula's daughter didn't like the movie. Yeah, she famously hated it and was (laughs) super embarrassed. I think I read somewhere that she was extremely conservative and politically and everything. And uh, she she ended up like any autograph hounds or anything like that. She would be like, (laughs) like Dracula's daughter is like haunting her because it came on. It was part of like the, the big shock package of the fifties where it came on television all the time and kids loved it. And, uh, yeah, so she had, like, a little resurgence then, and she didn't want it. And she was like, I'm done with this shit. I don't want to be, you know, a horror movie icon. Wow. So. We honor her by talking about the movie today. <laughs> yeah, she was great in it. She should have been proud. Yeah. All right. So that was Dracula's daughter. Let's sign this bad boy out. Bad girl. <laughs> Go, Kia. Jeff Go, Jeff. First. Go, Jeff. Sign us out. I'm Jeff. 
I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And, and we, we just reviewed Dracula's Daughter. Mwah. Once again for... Welcome to Half-Ass Horror Trivia. You might have guessed this is going to be a Dracula edition. Buckle up, boyos. I'm your host, Craig. With us, Jeff is... Jeff and Kia, rather. Not Jeff is Kia. <laughs> Let's do Kia, Jeff. We'll do that order. So well, the first question first. is Kia, then we'll, we'll go to Jeff. Uh, okay. Ladies first. Question number one for Kia. Which is not a line of dialogue said by Dracula in Dracula 1931? A. I'm taking with me only three uh, boxes. <laughs> B. Sleep is the cousin of death, my friend. C. To die. To be really dead. That must be glorious. D. This is very old wine. I hope you like it. C. That is the one that is not a line of dialogue? Yes. Incorrect. Oh, I said A. Uh, do um, we do a thing? Jeff, can you oh, steal? Can, sorry. Do we, yeah. yeah. Jeff, would you like to steal? Yes. I'll try. B. You are correct. Sleep is the cousin of death, my friend, is a line I made up. So how many points is, is this again? It's two. <laughs> yeah, two. Yeah, it's, uh, no, it's two if you get it, and then one if you steal it. Okay. Right? Isn't that how we do it? I think so. Okay. Sure. Sounds right. Uh, question two. This is for Jeff. What actor was the first choice to play Renfield in Bram Stoker's Dracula? The 90s Dracula. First Would you like choice? choices? Yes. Oh, yeah. You got uh, options. Don't... I'll do yes. the options. A. Steve Buscemi. B. Jason Alexander. C. Mick Jagger. D. Tim Roth. I'm going to say Mick Jagger. That is incorrect. Oh. Kia, would you like to steal? You know, when you said Jason Alexander, I was thinking Jason Priestley. So now I'm going to say... And Tom Waits ended up playing it in Dracula, the musician slash actor. That's why I went with Jagger. Oh. Yeah, that's why I put it in there. <laughs> what was the first one again? Uh, Steve Buscemi. Then Jason Alexander and Tim Roth. I'm going to say Tim Roth. Incorrect. It was Bashimi. He uh, turned it down. Oh, I was leaning towards that. I thought Jason Alexander might have been a little too... Never mind. Question three. This is back to Kia, right? Yes. At the first cast meeting for Bram Stoker's Dracula, called by the director, Francis Ford Coppola, he got all the principal actors to read the entire novel out loud to get a feel for the story. According to Sir Anthony Hopkins, how long did it take to complete? Would you like the options? Yes. A, four hours. B, 12 hours. C, two days. D, four days. 12 hours. Incorrect. <laughs> Jeff, would you like to steal? How long did it take them to read the entire Dracula novel? Two days. That is correct. Hmm. According to Anthony Hopkins. Jeff, your question. Which of these actions does not have any effect on a vampire? A. Throwing seeds at them. B. Hanging a fisherman's net outside your window. C. Wearing all red. Hmm. Which one does not? Yeah. Hmm. Throwing seeds at them? Is that, what, that was the first one, right? That's yes. not my answer. I'm just asking. Yes, it's seeds? throwing seeds, hanging a fisherman's net outside your window, or wearing all red. Which one does not have an effect on a vampire? I want to say a net outside the window. Incorrect. Ah. They are. Uh, they have to un- undo net, uh, knots. So if you have that outside your window, they'll be like stuck. You know, having to do all, all undo all the knots on the net. So. Hmm. Kia, your options are throwing seeds at them, wearing all red. Which one has no effect? 
has no effect. No effect. Um, wearing all red. That is correct. Yay. Uh, throwing seeds at them. They, they're compelled to pick up all the seeds. This is like... Where are you getting this, this right? This is old school mythology, <laughs> I promise. This sounds uh, like they're very... Uh, Austin Powers, where he's like, you can't be asked the same question three times. He's like, damn, three times. It's like, <laughs> pick these seeds up. Like, damn it. All right. There's <laughs> they have a, to go. There's a big episode of X-Files that has vampires, and that's one of the things that they do uh, to, to resist a vampire is they throw seeds, and he's like, oh, man, and he has to like start picking up. All. I think it's the kid, uh, the red-haired kid from the Sandlot is the oh, vampire. Really? He's, he's like, ah, and he has to like start picking up all the seeds and counting them. It's really weird. Um, uh, I forgot whose question it is. Mine. Okay, Kia. What iconic entertainer sent Bella Lugosi a check for $1,000, roughly ten grand in 2020 dollars, during Lugosi's drug rehab in the 1950s. What, iconic? Yes. Entertainer sent Bella, Bela Lugosi a check for $1,000 for his rehab stint. Would you in, like the options? In the 60s. Oh, yes, 50s. please. In the 50s. 50s. Okay, yes, please. A, Sammy Davis Jr., B, Frank Sinatra, C, Judy Garland, D, Elvis Presley. Oh, my gosh, those are all... Hmm. Send him a check for a thousand bucks to kick the habit. I'm going to say Judy Garland. Incorrect. Jeff, would you like to steal? I'll say Elvis. Incorrect. Is it all blue eyes? It is. Frank Sinatra. Oh, I should have gone with him. Yeah, he sent him a thousand bucks, and there's an urban legend that he paid for his funeral, but it's not true. I thought Judy Garland because she also had drug problems, so I thought maybe Mm, she was Sympathetic to it. Dang it. Jeff, your question. Who was at one time listed as the center of the Hollywood universe by the Oracle of Kevin Bacon website at the University of Virginia because he can be linked to anyone in Hollywood on an average of 2.5 steps? This is higher than Kevin Bacon himself, by the way. (laughs) This is a Dracula question? Yes. It's it's an actor associated with Dracula. Would you like the options? Yes. A. Bela Lugosi B. Christopher Lee C. Peter Cushing D. Gary Oldman Christopher Lee That is correct. Number seven. Kia. Yes. What actor was first considered for the role of Dracula in Mel Brooks' Dracula Dead and Loving It? Options. A. Kelsey Grammer B. Gene Wilder C. Ted Danson D. Tom Selleck We've been watching a lot of Magnum P.I. around this house, so I'm going to say Tom Selleck. Incorrect. (laughs) I'm going to name myself. (laughs) Jeff, would you like to steal? Would you like to? Yes. What were the options again? The options. Kelsey Grammer Gene Wilder Ted Danson. Mm. Kelsey Grammer. That is correct. Craig gave me this look. <laughs> and I that look was, you're going to be upset that you didn't get this yeah. one because you love this guy and yeah. his show. You love Frasier. So. Damn it. Uh, yeah, before uh, Leslie Nielsen mm. took the role. Uh, Jeff, this is yours. Number eight. Which actor hasn't played Dracula? A. Judd Hirsch B. Gene Simmons C. Jack Palance D. Robert Reed A.K.A. Mike Brady from the Brady Bunch Um, What was the first one again? Judd Hirsch Okay Uh, uh, Yeah, I'll say Judd Hirsch Incorrect He was Dracula in the television movie The Halloween That Almost Wasn't 1979 Of course (laughs) <laughs> you didn't know that off the top of your head, Jeff Can you repeat the question and the, um, yes. the choices? Which actor has not played Dracula? Okay We're going to go to B, Gene Simmons C, Jack Palance D, Robert Reed, a.k.a. Mike Brady from the Brady Bunch he, Mike Brady probably did it in like an episode of the Brady Bunch So I'm going to say Jack Palance Palance, however you pronounce his last name. Incorrect. Damn it. Jack Palance. He played Dracula in 1974. 
Jeff, you're right. Gene Simmons has never played Dracula. Robert Reed, a.k.a. Mike Brady, played him in an episode of Fantasy Island. He was actually Dracula. <laughs> Sorry. What was that? Burn. Uh, number nine. This is for Jeff. No, this is for Kia. Right? Yes. yes Kia. Yeah. Number nine. What does Dracula mean in Romanian? Would you like the options or do you want to guess? Do you know Romanian? Huh? No, but I did read a book called The Historian, which dealt a lot with the history of Dracul. But yes, give me the option. Oh, you should know this then. If you miss it, it'll be very embarrassing. <laughs> A, son of the moon. B, son of Christ. C, son of the mountain. D, son of the devil. Son of the mountain. Very incorrect. Oh. Jeff, would you like to steal? Yes, yeah, son of the devil. That is correct. No, I thought that was too on the nose. <laughs> Number 10 for Jeff. Who was the tallest of the many actors to have ever played Count Dracula? So very tall. Uh, well, I know. I want to say Bela Lugosi. Incorrect, although he was six foot one. Christopher Lee. That is correct. That's six foot five, Christopher Lee. Um, is the tallest guy yeah to, to ever play a mainstream one there's probably some offshoot movie where a guy that's like six foot nine was like i'm dracula i mean but <laughs> all the the mainstream ones yeah okay this is a bonus question who's it going to oh, this wow. is to kia oh, yeah is it worth like a lot of points <laughs> yes <laughs> this question is worth six points <laughs> will that put you over the top kia it's currently six to two so yes Okay. Sure. Six points. Bonus question. Goes straight to Kia. Wow. In the novel Dracula, when Dracula says, the blood is the life, what famous book is he quoting? The Bible. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. He's uh, quoting Deuteronomy 12.23, which prohibits the consumption of blood. Stoker may have also written that in... uh, to play off an advertisement for a contemporary quack cure for bad blood, a Victorian-era euphemism for syphilis. Enjoy. (laughs) Enjoy. So Kia totally fairly won that. She was not destroyed by Jeff at all. She won. Kia won. Congratulations, Kia. Jeff, try to be a good loser. You fought hard, but you just didn't have the points, man. I'm sorry. You didn't have the spread. Well, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody lost, all right. (laughs) It feels no emotion. I want you to get out of the water. It does not kill for pleasure. They spend half their lives looking for food and the other half eating it. They don't care what it is. And it has never singled out a specific human victim. It's not food he's after. Until now. Lorraine Gary and Michael Caine. Jaws. The Revenge. This time, it's personal. Rated PG-13. Starts Friday, July 17th at theaters everywhere. Hi, this is Lance Guest, and you're listening to the Half-Assed Horrorcast. What's Making Us Scared is a segment in which we recommend things to our listeners. Things that we like in the horror community. Not things that are literally making us scared because this is a horrible time right now. (laughs) Kia. (laughs) Well, during Halloween season when Craig and I took a staycation, we watched a lot of movies. Um, Mainly all that we DVR'd off TCM because we're obsessed with the TCM now. Yeah, old school Hollywood. It's a thing right now. And um, so we watched a lot of the Hammer movies. So we started with Horror Dracula then we watched The Curse of Frankenstein, House of Frankenstein, um, The Mummy. House of Frankenstein's universal. Is it? Yeah. Oh, so Horror of Dracula, Curse of Frankenstein, The Mummy, the Hammer version. Frankenstein must be destroyed. Yeah. Um, and we still have some DVR'd. And we watched a couple other ones with this Peter Cushing, Peter Cushing and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so what's making me scared, I guess, is how great the Hammer movies are and how great Peter Cushing is. Excuse me. I didn't know that you were doctors. Doctors? We are not doctors. I beg your pardon. I thought you knew what you were talking about. 
You're damn rude, sir. I'm afraid that stupidity always brings out the worst in me. Stupidity? Yes, stupidity. It is fools like you who have blocked progress throughout the ages. You make pronouncements on half facts that you don't understand anyway. I find your tone and manner highly objectionable, sir. But if you wish to involve yourself in an argument about it, pray explain the word progress in this context. You wouldn't understand it. But I will give you a parallel that you may just appreciate. Had man not been given to invention and experiment, then tonight, sir, you would have eaten your dinner in a cave. You would have strewn the bones about the floor and then wiped your fingers on a coat of animal skin. In fact, your lapels do look somewhat greasy. Good night. I actually, um, this might be blasphemy in this house, but I actually like the Hammer movies better than the Universal ones because, one, I like, I like the color. I know the black and white. The black and white definitely works for the Universal movies. This is true. But there's something about the color and the Hammer movies that I really like. Um, I think Peter Cushing's a great actor. I think Christopher Lee um, is the movies we've seen him in. I don't think he's had that many lines. Right. But he's he's very imposing and, and handsome, and he's really good. And um, I just feel like the Hammer movies are more, I don't want to say scary, but I feel like Universal's are family-friendly, and Hammer might not necessarily be movies you want the kids to see. Because oh. the Frankenstein, um, the Curse of Frankenstein, right? like, that monster is intense. That's the one Christopher <laughs> Lee plays yeah. the monster, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just what I, we're still going through those movies, but I've really enjoyed that, and now I love Peter Cushing, the movies we've seen him in. I think yeah. he's also handsome in a weird way. He reminds me of Novak Djokovic, the tennis player. If you watch <laughs> tennis, they look a lot alike to me. I, I was trying to say Michael Fassbender. I thought he was kind of a <laughs> yeah, similar... I can see that too. You know, like a a modern version of him a little yeah. bit. So, um, yeah, and like the color was a big selling point uh, for the Hammer horror movies when they were remaking all the classic Universal stuff, all those stock characters. That was like one of their angles is that, you know, this is vibrant color and mm-hmm. blood. You actually see blood in these. And and it looks like blood. It oh, yeah. For, like yeah, paint. sometimes it's a little painty, but, but yeah, yeah to, compared to a lot of movies in that era, it looks a lot more like blood for sure. And um, they don't have like kind of cheesy effects like 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 bats flying around where you, you know. Oh, little, yeah. yeah. You know, at the time, I'm sure it was great, but... Um, but yeah, so I I like I've liked the Universal movies, but I think I've I've liked the Hammer ones a little bit more. It was a huge hole in my horror knowledge. I, I had seen very few of them, so it's been really cool uh, checking them out and seeing why people love them so much. And it's really cool seeing uh, the physicality. Like Peter Cushing is actually a pretty decent athlete. Like he does like pretty cool stunts and fight work. And Christopher Lee obviously is really good. There's yeah. there's moments where you're like. I'm surprised they let him do this, you know, instead of a stunt guy. Um, so, yeah, I definitely recommend yeah. them as well. We've only kind of scratched the surface, but what we've seen so far has well, been really good. Well, you said there's a Hammer collection that's coming out. Yeah, but unfortunately, I looked at that, and oh. it doesn't have some of the biggest movies on oh. it. It's basically for, like, a completist. You know, it has, yeah. like, some oddball ones and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So the, the Hammer catalog is all over the place because different uh, studios own the distribution rights in America. So, like... It's it's just really hard to get like a box set that has all of them. Uh, you know, it's impossible actually. So a little tougher to track down uh, hard copies. But if you have TCM and Amazon Prime, you can kind of make a pretty big dent. So very cool. Hammer horror for Kia. Yes. Jeffrey, what do you got? What's scaring me is Raymond Castile's basement of horror. Hello, welcome to Raymond Castile's Basement of Horror. In this series, we look at my scary monster toy collection, which resides in my basement. And it's the basement of horror because the basement is so cluttered that it's a horrible mess. That's why it's the basement of horror. 
In each episode, I'm going to randomly select a box from this basement and open it up and see what's inside. I think I found out about him maybe about a year or so ago. And uh, it's, it's this guy, Raymond Castile, and he's in his basement, and he <laughs> shows different horror toys. Uh, he collects you know, horror-related things like toys and action figures and different things like that. Anyway, um, but some of his videos are very long, and it's, it's literally just him sitting there, sitting at a table, showing you a thing like, here's all the Monster Amigos, wave two. You know, like mm-hmm. he'll show the the character. The, he talks about each one. He knows a lot about all these different things. Uh, but I don't know. I <laughs> like if I'm sitting alone at home and I'm like folding laundry or doing something, I'll put it. I'll put his videos on, and it's like it's like I'm hanging out with Raymond. You know, like <laughs> I don't know this guy, but um, it's you know it's pretty low key. He just you know, like I said, he just talks about the toys, but. It's uh, it's pretty entertaining to me. I like I like watching them. So does he actually that, does he open the toys and everything, or are they still like in the boxes, or does it just kind of depend on the item? Um, it mostly depends on the item, but he likes to keep things in the package. So if they're in the package, he doesn't open them. And sometimes mm. he'll have it like in a protective like bag. And he's right. Like, I don't even I don't even want to take this out of the bag. I'll just show it to you <laughs> in the bag. <laughs> but. uh there's something about him. He's he's like he's a likable guy to me. Like he just seems like a nice person. So nice. Uh, yeah, I just I enjoy watching him. We say it, say the title one more time. Raymond Castile's Basement of Horror. Basement of Horror. All right. Very and he cool. He opens the show with that where he like pauses and when he says horror he holds his hands up like in a claw form. <laughs> like, basement of horror. Yeah, it's it's something I, you know. Whenever I visit your house, Jeff, uh, like I've seen bits of it and everything. So yeah, I, I get the appeal definitely. So yeah, it's uh, I feel like it's it's not it's not probably not for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like somebody would be like, "This isn't exciting at all. It's just this guy talking." But I I, I really enjoy it. So. Deep cuts for like a monster kid that collects yeah. things, and or maybe you don't have access to all this stuff, but you want to check it out somehow. You know, that's yeah. a good way to kind of feed that that desire a little bit without having to spend any money so exactly yeah very cool uh mine is pretty straightforward this is uh scooby-doo mystery incorporated (laughs) this is uh the cartoon network uh prime time scooby-doo show that ran, I think, like 2011 to 2013. It has two seasons and like 50-something episodes. Um, but it's just a really fun kind of contemporary take on Scooby-Doo. It's clever and written kind of with adults in mind first. Like, kids can definitely enjoy it. It's kid-friendly, but it's kind of like The Simpsons where it's for adults first, probably. And what's cool about it is it has all the hallmarks of a Scooby-Doo cartoon show with like mysteries and the gags and, you know, all the other stuff you're familiar with, but there's also an overreaching story arc that kind of threads through the episodes. So you, it's kind of neat to have like an ongoing story with the Scooby-Doo characters. Um, yeah, you almost have to watch them in order. Yeah. It's best to watch them on order that we, we've been watching them in on Netflix. Uh, so it's, it's super easy to find, um, Scooby-Doo mystery incorporated. And, uh, just the voice work is really great. They've got, you know, people coming back from the old school Scooby-Doo stuff and then some new additions. <laughs> like Gary Cole, he plays uh, Fred's dad. Mm. Uh, and uh, Putty from Seinfeld, he plays like a, a sheriff of the town and mm-hmm. does some like really cool voice work and everything. And they have really good uh, guest spots. Um, and then uh, like... Harlan Ellison, the, the the author, he 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 voices himself in one episode. That's really great, and uh, they do some like cool like Nightmare on Elm Street and H H P Lovecraft, and it's almost like um, it's got a hint of that uh, Treehouse of Horror, like Simpsons, where where they make like each episode is almost framed by some kind of pop culture thing that they're running with, and hmm. so it's it's pretty neat. Um, this is highly recommended for me, especially right now when people are maybe watching stuff for comfort a little bit. Uh, this is not going to make you think very deeply, but it's it's still clever and fun. So there's a lot of references um, 
if you're in the know, like Craig's in the know about more things than me, so he gets more of the references. Um, it also takes place when they're in high school, which I think is cool. I don't know if any of the mm. other Scooby-Doo shows have done that. I'm, I'm just used to the original Scooby-Doo, and it's usually, they're not in high school. They're kind of so. like young adults by that point. Yeah. Um, and it's the last one that Casey Kasem worked on. He, um, he shows up sometimes as um, Shaggy's dad. So Matthew Lillard had taken over the role yeah. by then. So it's a fun show. Yeah, it's definitely fun and worth checking out. And it's readily available on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's what's making us scared. Kia, you mm-hmm. get to choose yes, the next movie. I do. And I'm choosing an oldie but a goodie. It's a it's a movie that Craig and I saw not that long ago. It's from the eighties. And it is a movie that also, in its way, inspired Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And that is Night of the Comet from 1984. Did you ever wonder what it would be like to be one of the last people on Earth? There's nobody. I mean, there's nobody. What would you do? The burden of civilization is on us. Fiction, isn't it? The legal drinking age is now 10, but you will need ID. Let's be real. It's the Night of the Comet. The night the teenagers ruled the world. Night of the Comet. Rated PG-13. So Night of the Comet, definitely available for free on Tubi. You might have to pay for it on Amazon Prime. It might be available on Shudder. Check it out. <laughs> Next time on the Half-Ass Horrorcast. Stay safe and healthy. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Half-Ass Horrorcast. You can find us on Instagram at Half-Assed Horrorcast, Facebook at Half-Assed Horror, Twitter at H-A Horrorcast, and you can send us an email at Horrorcast at gmail.com or visit our website, HalfAssedHorrorcast.com. Horrorcast.com.